Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be back. Uh, we had a wonderful time in Spokane uh, celebrating the 12 days of Christmas and Epiphany with our family, our, our grandchildren. And I got this Christmas sweater for my grandchildren. Yeah, they did a good job, right? So today we are going to, uh, it's a new year, and uh, Pastor Mike Clark got us off to a great start last Sunday. Today we're going to start a new series of seven weeks called Made for Us. And today's sermon is entitled Stop and Rest. You may know this, but in Japan there's a word for working too hard, karoshi. Can you say that? Karoshi. And this is a serious problem. It means literally death by overwork. Last year, more than 1,000 people in Japan died of Kiroshi. Recently, Elon Musk told his employees at Twitter, either plan on working 24-7 or quit. A lot of them quit. They also have beds in the Twitter offices in San Francisco, which the building department is working on. We live in a culture where work has come to define our humanity. Now, since the pandemic, there's been a lot of discussion about finding work-life balance. Although many people have reported that working from home with email and text and WhatsApp and Zoom meetings and all the technology means they are basically always working. Here's one person's story. Recently, a client told me that she couldn't imagine taking an entire week off. While a vacation sounded great, it didn't seem realistic. Her coworkers couldn't manage everything in her absence. More important, she couldn't stomach coming back to an overflowing inbox and a mountain of to-dos after taking time off. Much easier to stay put and stay on top of things, she rationalized. Meanwhile, she was so stressed out that she could barely concentrate. Her health was suffering as a result of clocking long hours with no respite heart palpitations, insomnia, weight gain, the works. She was slowly killing herself. Even in retirement, we can get so busy volunteering and traveling and taking care of grandchildren and staying connected that we fail to find the rhythm of work and rest that God created for us as a gift. So let's go back to the very beginning of the Bible and, and look at the owner's manual. Let's look at how we were created and intended to live a life of true flourishing. Genesis 1, beginning with verse 31. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. 
Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And now verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. It is powerful, a two-edged sword. May it do its work this morning in our hearts and minds and souls. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this seminal text, the very beginning of Scripture, before sin had entered the world, we find two different concepts, two different Hebrew words for rest. In verse 3 of chapter 2, it says God rested. That's the Hebrew word Shabbat. Say that, Shabbat. God rested, God Shabbated from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, God never gets tired. God doesn't need to rest, but God knew that rest was a good thing. So he rested from this magnificent work that he had done in those first six days. This first word, Shabbat, literally means to stop, to cease from all activity. And the first depiction of Shabbat is God himself stopping after all the work was completed. As we travel further into Genesis 2, there's another Hebrew word that's sometimes translated rest, and that's the word nuach. Try that, nuach. It's better translated to abide in or to settle in. It, it has a, a nurturing, intimate, relational quality. And so the Lord, it says literally, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and rested him, nuach, into the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Our work, this is the fundamental principle, our work flows from this deep rest, this abiding in God. And when we work apart from that, we will literally work ourselves to death. So in Genesis, we understand the purpose of God's creation and the purpose of his creation of human beings from the very beginning. We're given this incredible picture of what it means to stop and to abide. And there, you read on, in, in Eden, there was rest as God intended. Adam and Eve were at rest with each other. And they were at rest with God's creation. They worked and tilled the field in the presence of God. And it was beautiful. But the Sabbath rest did not last. Adam and Eve rejected the rest that God had offered and chose instead to make their own way with disastrous results. And the remainder of the Bible is the story of God's faithfulness to return us to the rest of Eden. And of course, that biblical story comes to its climax in Jesus Christ. We've just celebrated his arrival at Christmas. This is the being, the one who was with God at creation, 
and who enters our restless world. Jesus is the perfect embodiment of Sabbath. The Sabbath we are intended to enter and experience. The future and complete rest that is promised in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is fulfilled and beautifully carried out in Jesus Christ. So our gospel reading this morning that Carrie read from Matthew, let me read it again. Jesus invites us into the Sabbath rest of God. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is inviting you and me to come and live as his apprentice, to learn from him, to abide in him, and through it to find the rest that we crave. He invites us to stop, to Shabbat, in the midst of all the activities and expectations and the burdens that our culture puts upon us. Whether we're navigating education or working from home or constantly checking the news, Jesus calls us to stop and trust that he created and continues to govern the world. So can we take a deep breath right now and breathe in the rest of God? <sighs> Thank you, Jesus, for your very breath brings us deep and complete rest. Of course, the Bible teaches that we're called to more than just seizing activity. We're called to work for six days. Only one day is rest. We're called to be very productive. And when we enter into this rhythm, we are incredibly productive. The Calvinist work ethic created the Western industrial might because people were incredibly productive. They were working, and thanks to the church being so much a part of Western culture, even though it made no sense whatsoever from a production standpoint, they were given Sunday to rest and to worship and to enter into that thing, and they became incredibly productive people. Sabbath is possible, though, even today, not just as a day, but as a way of living our entire lives. We can return to the rest that God intended for us in Eden, finding our rest in Christ from the worries and pressures of this world. We're going to try to get so practical. We're going to take seven weeks. We're going to have people come up here from the congregation and share each week how they're doing this in this life. Retired people, working people, young people with children, we're all going to do it differently, but we're going to learn together as Jesus' apprentices. So think about, for just a moment, the life of Jesus. A very full life, but you never see him striving. He took time to rest with his father. He got up early to be alone and to gather himself in fellowship, a mini Sabbath each morning. 
as embodied persons, we live in space and time, and so we need space and time to experience rest. But at the end of the day, rest is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, what that looks like for you and what it looks like for me is going to look differently. It might mean putting your phone away to protect yourself from anxiety or comparison. I have a real problem with this phone. You can ask my wife and my other family members. And we notice this because my son is even worse than me. Sorry for throwing you under the bus. And I've had to say, okay, I'm putting that phone away one day a week. Because you all email me. And in fact, while I was on a rest, a scammer sent out an email to many of you. And that wasn't even me. So it might be putting away your phone. It might mean letting go of your perfectly planned schedule. I remember my mom was always worried and anxious. And it really bothered me. And I remember at the end of her life, she began to learn what it meant to rest in Jesus. And it was just, she just was happy as she was preparing for her ultimate rest. It, it was just a joy to watch her. It really challenged me, uh, and she really discipled me in those last two years of her life. It probably likely means stopping and resting, to take time, to turn off our devices, and to do something completely different than what you do six days of a week. True rest is following Jesus. It's part of our discipleship. It's stopping what the world demands that you do and abiding in the presence of Christ. So let's keep going here. Oh, yeah. I'm not going forward anymore. Here, let's go back. Wow, Bo, can you go back to the the slide of that beautiful bird. This is an Andean condor. It can fly 100 miles without flapping a wing. How does it do this? It is designed in its brain and in its body to catch the currents of wind in the Andes. And it allows the wind currents to do the work. That's a picture of what God intends for us. The weekly rhythm of work and rest that God offers us in Genesis 1 and 2 invites us to work in the power of the Spirit, to trust in God to provide the wind, the energy, to do the work. So this is us. I'm told that a skilled hang glider can go for tens of miles before they finally land. But they have to learn how to catch those same wind currents. Now, I've never tried it. I'm probably too old to start now. Um, I'm sure my insurance agent would tell me that. But I think this is a beautiful image of how we're meant to live in the power of the Spirit, the wind of the Spirit. And Sabbath is how we access 
that power. So the goal of every human life, according to scripture, is to embrace the rhythm of Sabbath, to work hard, and then to stop and rest just like our creator every seven day, on the seventh day. Now the seventh day for me is not Sunday. So there's nothing sacred about doing it on Sunday, although it's probably a practical day for most of us, most of you. But the rhythm is what matters. So imagine, I've been trying this um, in our common space group, we were studying Sabbath last one. I've been trying this in a, in a different and new way um, recently. And here's what happens to me. On Monday, or excuse me, on Sunday, I'm coming off my Sabbath, and Monday and Tuesday, I am looking back to that Sabbath. I'm, I'm experiencing the love of that Sabbath, the power of the wind that is, God has given me. And then on Wednesday, I shift to anticipation, to anticipating the upcoming Sabbath and drawing my strength and power from that. And so in my morning quiet times, I'm reflecting on living in the rest of God. That's the way, or my way, your way might be, look a little bit different, of experiencing this weekly rhythm of Sabbath. Now one day Jesus is going to return and make all things new and we will experience perfect rest. But right now we live in this in-between time and so we are reliant on the power of Jesus, the disciplines of the Spirit, and as we trust in him with our time and our hearts and our entire lives, we can find rest in the only one in whom it can be truly found. Rest is a godlike thing. When we rest, we are doing something sacred. Rest is at the heart of being with God. All rest begins with the reality that God rests. God is the author, creator, and center of rest and models rest for us. St. Augustine famously wrote, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Well, each week we'll have a sermon like this and then we'll hear from a, a testimony from a member of our congregation. In this case, Carrie Bear is going to come up and start us off. So, Carrie, join me here on the couch. I would love to do that, right. Randy. So, Carrie, tell us, you're, you're very different. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this out a little bit. You're very different than me. Yes. I am. It's true. So how, how does this work for you? Well, I have some thoughts. Um, I'm going to begin by saying I am Carrie Bear and I am a workaholic. Actually, I hope I'm a recovering workaholic. Like everyone in recovery, whether it's a serious substance abuse or money abuse or food abuse or social media device abuse, 
or being a news junkie and abusing that, or whatever it is that has a hold on us, we in recovery know that we have to, every day, uh, tell the truth to ourselves. And uh, an example would be alcohol will not, does not, solve your problems. In fact, it could kill you. That's an example. And my truth is this. Crossing everything off my to-do list does not make me whole, turns out. Satisfaction over this is fleeting. It does not deepen relationships. It is not doing for me what I think it should do for me. And so there came a time when I turned a corner. I met some people. They had better handles on their stress. They seemed more peaceful and usually a bit happier. And they were not always going around talking about how busy they were and how far behind they were. They just didn't do that. They talked about other things, and I was drawn to that. I decided to slow down, to reflect on how I was living, and to find out how to take a different path, or at least seriously revise the path that I was on. Observing Sabbath, which just means stopping and resting and leaning into God, is an act of faith. It very much gets into my view of God. Taking the Sabbath seriously made me ask the question, can God really handle things while I'm taking a rest break? <laughs> Am I sure about this? Which leads to this question. Is it perhaps possible that your view of God needs some work? Too small. The answer to all this is yes. Yes, I had a diminished view of God, and yes, he is more than capable of running the universe without me. Who knew? <laughs> but more to the point, if I cease working for one day in seven, it is unlikely that every project I am working on will fall apart. Every person I know will think less of me, and I will lose my job. It's unlikely that if I take a Sabbath, those things will happen. And I made the shocking discovery that Jesus doesn't care about my to-do list. <laughs> Again, who knew? I love my to-do list. It's, it's possible that I fall down and worship my to-do list. It's an idol. Actually, more than my to-do list, it's the woman who can do all that stuff. That's what I love. I love her. She's not real. She is my false self based on a lie. The real person trying to do that is very shaky and cranky and stressed out, which are not things issuing from the Holy Spirit, by the way. But Jesus cares about how I relate to him. And taking a Sabbath uh, makes space for me to think about that. The place of quiet rest near to the heart of God that the choir was singing about. I start thinking about, what am I really doing anyway? And has God called me to do all this stuff? 
Have I talked to God recently, or more importantly, listened carefully to him recently? Have I stayed still and quiet long enough to become aware of what he is saying, and more importantly, to receive his love, and therefore calm down? Calm down and get back to reality. Sabbath allows for good self-reflection so that I can move away from anxiety and stress and into things that lift my heart and make me glad and calm me down and bring me to a place of peace, which I need at least once a week. I need it real bad. <laughs> Journals are actually good for this, and you all are getting a journal. When I journal, when I stop enough to sit down and journal, I figure out where I'm at, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. And sometimes it's surprising. Sometimes I realize I'm very angry, or I'm very sad, or I'm in grief. And I need to be in those places and then bring all of that to Jesus instead of continuing to run with all of that, shoving those feelings down. Journals are very helpful with that. In Sabbath, I grow my relationship with Jesus, and that's a good thing, even if it doesn't move the needle on my to-do list, because being with Jesus is life-giving, and I want to live. When I got into these ideas, um, I shared them with people I was working with, and I want to... Uh, share what one of these graduate students at Berkeley, where I was working uh, when this happened, uh, said to me in a birthday card he sent to me uh, last month. So this is, a, this is a graduate student, brilliant, at Berkeley, trying to get his engineering degree. Can anybody relate to that in this crowd? I think there are a lot of engineers in this town, right? And, and I was uh, working with a lot of these very bright people who were working very hard, because graduate school is hard, and it's very, very time consuming. So here's what he says. Happy 70th birthday. I heard through the grapevine that it was your birthday and wanted to share with you a memory from the time we overlapped at Veritas Fellowship, that was the name of our grad fellowship, in Berkeley. You were the fall retreat speaker for our fellowship and I believe the theme for the weekend was spiritual disciplines. I remember at the end of your talk that you challenged us as busy grad students to try practicing a weekly Sabbath. My first thought was, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not getting enough done working seven days a week. Six, six, oh, seven, yeah, sorry. See what I live with here? Seven days a week. You should pray for me more than you do because... Okay, I'm going to get back to reading the proper thing here. Okay, let's go to, are you kidding me? I'm not getting enough done working seven days a week. Do you realize how much productivity I will lose if I only work six days? But because of your messages that week, I decided that I would at least try it for a month and see what happens. And I got to tell you, when I read this part, I was, I was shocked because I didn't think any of those guys were listening to me. <laughs> to my surprise, but probably not yours, but actually I was surprised, TJ, my productivity 
actually went up. Remember Pastor Randy said that? Truth right here. Actually went up, and more importantly, I was more physically and spiritually recharged each week. I ended up developing a routine on my Sabbaths that was incredibly joyful and life-giving. It totally changed my life, and I still practice it to this day. He is a professor at Harvey Mudd in the Claremont Colleges in Southern California. And then he says, thank you. So this is TJ's testimony. Um, I didn't know the Holy Spirit was doing this, but isn't this cool? And I don't think there's any better way to say it than how much this can change life. So that's, that's my story. Thank you, Carrie. So friends, Sabbath is God's gift made in his heart for you. It's the gift that you can open as we begin a new year together. Over the course of the next six weeks, we're going to walk through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to see, as our preaching team opens these passages, that not only was Sabbath given as a part of creation itself, but God knew we would struggle. So he gave us one of the Ten Commandments through Moses. It's part of God's gift to the people of God as part of the stewardship of their own lives and part of the stewardship of the earth itself. Jesus practiced the Sabbath. He redeemed it from how it had been warped by the Pharisees and restored it to the church for this age and the age to come. Sabbath is a crucial part of the spirit-filled life. So we're going to learn from the word of God, from the stories of our brothers and sisters who are trying to do this in a very complex, very challenging world. And we're inviting you to join us, to use the journals we've provided you. There will be a different reflection exercise each week. So hopefully you got this. Ta-da. You can, if you're worshiping with us online, you can get one from the church office. Please take one as you go home today. There are also wonderful resources that uh, have been curated for us by Lindsay Waymeyer on our website, gracecommons.org backslash Sabbath. So in, 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 take advantage of those resources, books and other resources that will help you as you enter into this. And reflection is how we're going to do this and let it really stick. That's what happened with TJ. Reflection is a key component in our spiritual growth, our formation in Christ. David writes in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Trevor Hudson says, we don't change from experience. We change when we reflect on our experience. Reflect. Practice. Shabbat.
and find the rest God wants for you. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the gift of Sabbath. Oh, what a gift that we have unopened so to our peril. Lord, we confess that we are Sabbath breakers. We don't confess this because out of a deep sense of guilt, but out of a sense of what we've lost by our addiction to work, to activity, to all of the, the stuff of modern life. And so, Lord, as we Shabbat together this, in this season of seven weeks, we pray that you would bless us and empower us to live for you as we pray in your name.